0: Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by human synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Hi, Corinne. Hey, Dom. So what I wanted to talk about this week was around silos. Mm. So this is a question we get all the time from people. It's a really common issue, common complaint inside a lot of organizations is that they find teams, departments don't work together effectively and that they're kind of chasing their own goals, their own objectives, not really coming together. What I'd love to get your insights on today is a bit around why do silos occur, what causes them, Mm. and then what would be amazing is maybe some practical ideas of what we can do about addressing them and trying to to bring them back together. Yeah. So if we pick up there... Why do silos exist? What's what's driving that to happen, do you think?
1: Yeah, I think there are multiple drivers, but, y- you know, just to confirm you're absolutely right, it's probably one of the most common issues that we mm. get from organisations and also we see in the culture data that mm. we look at. I think, why do they exist? I think there are a couple of reasons. So, One of the things that I can almost guarantee is where there's a silo in organisations, I can almost guarantee in most cases, it can be traced to a lack of alignment at the leadership team. Mm -hmm. If there's not the alignment at the leadership team, it means that the leaders aren't working together and they're not recommending that their people refer to each other's teams.
0: And so that can often be that you know two leaders or maybe the whole leadership team think there's different priorities or different things are important.
1: Absolutely right. So it can be a mixture of the way that they've interpreted the strategy. So at a team level it could be that the executive team hasn't got agreement around the critical priorities. Oh. So that can be an issue. The other issue is that if they have got agreement around the critical priorities, they might not have discussed or agreed how they should be executed. Oh. And so where you start to see tension And silos starting to begin is in translating that strategy or operationalizing it and executing it. So I think, you know, that's a big issue. And I'm trying to think if there was ever a time I saw silos in action where it wasn't being played out at the lead team. And I can't think of one.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, it's so fundamental. And I think what happens too is what starts as maybe a small gap between the executive team kind of cascades and gets bigger and bigger as it goes down.
1: It gets massive because if you think about it, one executive might be briefing their team member, their direct report, who has a whole project team, to carry something out in a particular way. Now, if that project team is not aware that it impacts on another team in another area, they're just going to go and deliver what they think is the the best thing without any conversation at all. Yeah, right. So I think the lack of alignment and executive team, if we go up a level, if the organisation hasn't got a really clear mission and strategy, clear priorities and goals and objectives, that's the other way Uh. that silos happen because people are just making it up as they're going along or they're doing their functional work, Uh. okay, almost – without referencing what the organisational collective enterprise view is. And the reason they're not doing that, because they haven't got a clear enough view at that top level about what it is. So silos happen, lack of clarity around the mission, lack of clarity around priorities, goals and objectives, lack of alignment between executive team members. The other thing culturally is where you've got a very task-oriented culture very competitive culture, uh, then suddenly you've got competing priorities, and um, which can also be trained. You know, trace back to leaders where leaders sometimes want to make their mark, and stand so want, out. they want to stand out. They want their team to be first or best at something, and and so the teams get caught up in delivering their own objectives and their own priorities yes. first. And so if you're in one team and I'm in another team and I come and ask you for help in that kind of culture you're likely to say to me I can't don't have time mm. it's not a priority mm. okay so I think where there are competing priorities silos happen where there are where there's an emphasis on individual metrics or individual objectives over team objectives you're also probably more likely to get or shared objectives, if I can put it that way, across the organisation, yeah. you're less, you're more likely to get silos. So that's
0: what I was going to say, because you might have team objectives, but if they're still at like a department, Correct. within a department yeah, or something, then, right. hey, we're still not working with yeah. sales or
1: whatever. Yeah. So um, you don't have sort of cross-functional objectives. And, and that's
0: why the executive team is so important, because they are the ultimate cross-functional team. Correct. Right? They are representing all parts of the business at the highest level. Yeah. Um, And that's why it's so important to have them on the same page.
1: So I think they're the starting point. And if the dynamics at the executive team, the relationships aren't effective, okay, let alone whether they get on, if they're not effective, then you miss out on alignment because they're, what they might do is agree one thing, and I know this is pretty typical they'll be in agreement in the executive team, they'll agree one thing and then they'll go off and give their team a different yeah, right. briefing. So I think that's really important beyond that, the objectives of the organisation, the clarity of the the criticality of each of the priorities. So be clear on the priorities, but be clear which one's the most important mm. and you know, be clear with everybody. And then there's the kind of measures in an organisation, how it motivates people through metrics and goals, you know, what they get teams to focus on.
0: And that can be really hard. So I wrote a I wrote a blog a while ago called KPY. Yeah. Rather than KPI. Yeah. And because the the problem with numbers is you're never perfectly going to capture what you're really trying to go for. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, a hard number doesn't tell the whole story. Yeah. All the time, right? Because yeah. you know there's lots of other stuff yeah. going on. And so that's why it's so important that people understand the why behind it, not just the actual number.
1: Totally. Couldn't agree more. And, you know, I think it's such an important point. I think that a metric isn't the goal, okay, which is the why. And so I think sometimes organizations have got a lot of clarity around the number, Mm. but they've lost sight of the goal. Mm. Okay. So NPS is Mm. a a metric that's meant to represent your relationship with the customer. Okay, so it is a symbolic representation of the relationship with a customer. It's an outcome of a goal to improve and deliver excellent experience. And I think that unless you remind people in organisations about the goal, mm. then you're not necessarily going to get the right behavior.
0: That's right. So I've got two stories for you on that. One is with the Net Promoter Score, I got my car serviced and I went to pick it up and they hand me like a card, like you're going to get a text message or something that asks you to kind of rate our service. And they had a card that had like one, two, three, four, you know, to 10. and They had smiley faces above 9 and 10 and frownies above all the others. And it was like, this is how you should score it. And knowing how survey design and stuff works, it's like you've completely invalidated the results because you've told me, like, score a 9 or a 10 if you're happy at all and everything else if you're dishappy. Totally, but I've
1: had the same experience at a couple of telecommunication organisations where after serving you they say, oh, someone's going to call you. Can you please tell them this? (laughs) And, And I think... You know, now in those instances, those guys happen to deliver a fantastic service, so I was happy to do it. But it's in, if you um, give me a great service, you don't really need to do that because, you know, I'll be motivated to do it. But right. that speaks to the fact that the organisation has linked part of their incentive yes. to it. And, and they're chasing the number,
0: not the, the ultimate yeah. objective is good customer service.
1: Correct. Yeah. So I think... If we link it back to the silo kind of idea is if people are focused and teams are focused on metrics and numbers rather than the goal, Uh. it also means that they might be, and this links back to a task-oriented culture where you're elevating Uh. individual task completion, Uh. then you're more likely, an individual team or individual within a team, but you're more likely to prioritise my work over your work and so whether that's me and you or whether it's my team over your team and so you get these competing priorities and you know it all comes back to so one of the the big factors shaping culture is mission and philosophy so if the organization's not clear about that mission that what's mission critical what are the priorities it really has this negative domino effect throughout the organization and as you called out what starts off as something small within a, an executive team ends up cascading into a very big ripple wow. throughout the organization. Wow.
0: And I guess coupled with the KPI type stuff is what are you rewarding and recognizing? And usually those two go hand in hand, right? Yeah. And I remember a case where there was an operations team who basically kind of just were very un-customer centric, yeah. right? Very, so customer service and sales weren't happy at all. But their operational numbers were very efficient. Yeah. Right. But that's because they wouldn't at all be flexible, at all, you know, take on these different requests, anything out of the norm, just no, 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 which overall wasn't the best result. Mm. But they got all these pats on the back because their numbers were, you know, 99% or whatever. Yeah. But it failed to recognize. So, and then the problem is the message people hear then, right, when they get the pat on the back is all right, you've got to fight for your piece of the turf. And so, The problem with that, and the the reason why people get so concerned with silos is we end up spending so much time and energy on internal stuff. Correct. Like, what a waste of energy that I'm going to fight you at the next desk.
1: And the other thing that happens too, like, silos just end up dissipating energy in the organisation because, Mm. as you said, a lot of my time then becomes involved in managing internal stakeholders. And the other thing that happens in silo-based organisation is that issues are very quickly escalated. Yes. So it becomes point-counterpoint. It becomes who's right. Mm. And so rather than try and resolve it at the, the level closest, it very quickly goes up the line and the two execs or the GMs have to come together and try and arbitrate an issue. So silos are a problem because they're not a great use of the Organization's time and energy and
0: effort. And it's so common, I think, and especially as you get bigger and bigger organizations with more and more levels of bureaucracy and so on, is that you know, and people you feel like you've kicked a real goal, <laughs> you know, like yeah, I smashed sales on that or something, but yes. it's like, but it's like, and you're like, yeah, I really did something today. It's like, what did you do? Yeah, <laughs> you know, really, you haven't changed anything, yeah. really, it's just internal politics. Yeah, and-,
1: and I think that that's true that when you've got silos, suddenly. An achievement is actually smashing another team, you know, or beating them or, you know, kind of getting a bit of enjoyment from the fact that they've We got our way, yeah. Yeah, at least it wasn't us. And so I think, um, yeah, it's not ideal. It's not a good use of resources. And then the question becomes, well, what do you do about it? Yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: So I think the organisation first base need to look at what it stands for, what its goals are what it's prioritising, what are its objectives and needs to be able to communicate that to everybody in the organisation. You have to have cohesiveness at the executive level and an integrated agenda with clear priorities. Now the cohesive is the executive level is there's got to be absolute alignment Mm. because if there's daylight between exec members, then it usually means that there's an issue that might need resolution. And you've got to have a team that's prepared to talk about that and get clarity, because if they're not clear, it's going to be very difficult for the rest of the organisation. So that executive development work or or lead team development work, clarity of priorities. So when you get down through the organisation, a couple of things that we've seen clients do that work and in our own work has been One of the things is start to bring teams together. So, for example, Yarra Valley Water used to have kind of open days where teams shared what they did, sort of posters and almost like a a team expo you could have on letting people know what you did. Some teams invite speakers from other business units or invite Uh teams to have Joint teams together, which is really just about information sharing, understanding what you do, and you understanding what I do. How we impact each other. How we impact each other. What the relationship is. So I think some of it is just sharing and get to, getting to know who's in the business and what they do. It's amazing how many organisations and teams within organisations actually aren't really clear about what, what the other one does. Yeah, what the other one does. So I think that's the first thing. And- Sorry, just on um,
0: that, I was just saying, because I've worked in a company where i moved through different departments. I was in c- customer service and sales and whatnot. And I thought it was hilarious because each team blamed the other one for everything. Kind yeah. of thing. And it's funny when you move, because it's like, guys, do you realize like they're saying the same thing about you, just in reverse? Like,
1: And I think it happens everywhere where, you know, there's kind of some friction being experienced mm-hmm. and we go to blame. Oh, those <laughs> guys are the problem. <laughs> <laughs> funny. Yeah, so I think sharing, you know, getting people together just to get to know them. And it might be things like networking, internal Mm. networking events, bring an external speaker that's relevant to the organisation and just get people mingling Mm. at one level. At another kind of more practical level, one of the things I think is for the organisation to look at what are some of the critical processes and vehicles that cut across everybody? So, for example, customer experience. Would be something that cuts about everyone, you know, certain operational projects. So, looking at what it is that is a cross-organizational process where there are different touch points and, you know, build a cross-functional team around it and give that cross-functional team a goal, a real goal, a business or an organizational goal, and where there's measures of success and start getting teams to start working together on something and, and incentivizing them, whether that's financial reward or not, but actually setting some metrics around the team, cross-functional team. Um, innovation would be another one that mm. cuts across. So I think looking for opportunities where you can bring, leverage the skills from different parts of the organisation in the one team, is um, really important. So that's the other thing that I would recommend. And part of that is also shared goals. I've got one organisation where, client that I work with, where there are two parts of this organisation that really need to work together. And when they absolutely have to, they do, but what they've ended up doing is make it a priority for the leaders of each of the teams one of their measures is actually developing relationships with the other team. So as an individual, part of my job is to make sure that I've cultivated a relationship with people in this team and this team and this team, and my manager asks me how I'm going with it. Interesting. Yeah, and um, so I think there's some of the ways that I've seen really work. Sometimes you've got to change the structure of how you're getting work done you know, through measures and metrics and goals to get a different behaviour. So I think that's kind of a very pragmatic way of doing it.
0: The other one I wonder, Corinne, is what do we talk about in the organisation? So, you know, often in a siloed kind of organisation, the focus of, you know, what gets communicated, particularly from leadership, is at a department team level. Yeah. So these guys hit their numbers, those ones didn't. Yep. Yeah. That kind of stuff. And and so the message you hear in that organization is the key thing is that we hit our number. Yeah. Our number. Yeah. You know, forget the other stuff because yeah. it's only looked at at that level. It's not yeah. looked at, at an enterprise level of, okay, by, you know, however we've performed, we've, you know, got this kind of profitability or turnover or sales or whatever. Yeah. And how it all comes together.
1: Yeah. And I think what starts off as a shortcut common understanding to represent something we talked about NPS or the number around sales becomes the thing, the thing yeah. <laughs> and um, over time you know if you start moving into that kind of shortcut language as, a, as an organization old people leave new people come and that's what they hear that's mm. the first thing that they hear mm. and so i think that's the the issue with that and you're right if it's about our number, my number, your number, you know, where does the organisational view sit? Mm. And I think if we look at silos, they typically tend to happen more in an organisation that's got more of that task, that oppositional bent in mm. it. You know, sometimes silos are inherited, they're a, a legacy from past ways of doing things. Mm. Sometimes they can be a leftover or residue from restructures and. You know, I know one organisation where they've tried to get teams to work together by restructuring them and pushing them together.
0: Uh huh. How did that work?
1: Not so well. <laughs> um, you know, so it's got, it's got to make sense, you know, bring yeah. teams together where it makes sense, where there's some synergy that's possible. You know, hope can only take you so far.
0: <laughs> I love it. That's a good, good uh, spot to end on as well. So just a quick recap of some of the points, particularly around, you know, what can people do about it? We talked about being clear, really, being clear on what we stand for, what are our goals, as well as the KPY. So why are we going after this? What's the actually ultimate objective, not just the number? And getting people to keep that in mind. We talked a bunch about executive cohesiveness. Mm. So really, how aligned are they? Mm. Is there any daylight between them? Mm. Because if there is, what starts out as a small crack can quickly uh, actually develop into a big golf in the organization. And so it's been integrated and having clear priorities amongst the executive team. Another idea was bringing teams together mm. on those kind of open days. So mm. sharing, this is what we do, this is how you impact us and we impact you. So it's really about promoting understanding yeah. between teams. Yep. We talked about, you know, particularly in critical cross-functional processes, bringing maybe a cross-functional project team or something together yeah, to actually work on that with goals having some shared goals yep. across the organization and cultivating relationships between teams. So the next was around having some shared goals and, and cultivating those relationships. So I think those are some great starters. If, if you're listening and have some ideas as well, feel free to, to comment on, on our LinkedIn post.
1: That'd be fantastic because I don't think we can have too many ideas about how to break down silos.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, look forward to that. We'll have um, the show notes up from the show with those ideas and some of the links to things we've talked about, such as the blogs and whatnot. So you can find that in the show notes for this episode. Otherwise, thanks for your time today, Corinne.
1: Pleasure. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. Thanks for being part of our amazing community. We can only do it together with yourself. So long for now.